Hey there, do you need to get some merch printed? My incredible sponsors over at Anchorfish Printing has a great deal going on right now. You can get 100 soft style shirts for only 499 bucks. Do the math. That's a great deal. For details, email michael at anchorfishprinting.com. You can also visit anchorfishprinting.com and see what else they have to offer. They are a one-stop shop for all your merch needs. And don't forget to mention the first ever podcast when you place your order. Welcome to the first ever podcast. My name is Jeremy Bohm. I am your host. And if this is your first time here, this is a show where I interview artists of all kinds about the first experiences in their art form that led them to where they are today. My guest this week for episode 164 is Adam Lazara of Taking Back Sunday. They have a brand new album coming out October 27th. It is called 152. And this was a thrill. Um, I'd never met Adam before. We talked about that a little bit about how just strange it is that our paths had never crossed considering the amount of uh, Venn diagrams within our life when it comes to touring and just how long both of our bands have been around. Um, and I want to let you know that if uh, you're new here, there's a bonus episode available right now where Adam answered questions that were submitted by subscribers. You can access that by going over to patreon.com slash the first ever Patreon uh, you can subscribe for as little as three bucks and get access to that. But if you subscribe for just a little bit more, you yourself can submit questions to upcoming guests. Got a lot of great people on the calendar. So now would be a great time to subscribe, join the community. We got a Discord channel, all sorts of stuff. We're always hanging out. It's a blast. And uh, we'd love to have your membership. Um, also, if you're new here, you know, subscribe to the show on Spotify, Apple, wherever it is you are enjoying this, listening to this, etc. Leaving a positive rating and review, those things help, and it means a lot to me. Also, hey, if you uh, listen to the show potentially because uh, you're familiar with my band Touche Amore, I want to let you know about our upcoming tour dates. We will be supporting Death Heaven as they're doing a 10-year anniversary of Sunbather. So we're going to be with them November 27th in Chicago at the House of Blues. That's the tour kickoff show. And can you believe that we get to fly to Chicago over Thanksgiving weekend? Wish us luck. Uh, November 27th, Detroit at the Majestic Theater. Uh, November 29th at the TLA in Philadelphia. November 30th, Boston, Massachusetts at the Royale. December 2nd, Washington, D.C. at the Howard Theater. December 3rd, Masspath, New York at the Knockdown Center. I believe that's just New York City. What do I know? After that, we're flying back to the West Coast where December 7th, we're going to be at the Regency Ballroom in San Francisco. December 8th, Los Angeles at the Novo. We haven't officially said that we're playing that show, but here's a scoop. We're playing that show. So that'll be uh, December 8th, Los Angeles. Then December 13th, Denver, Colorado, the Summit Music Hall. December 15th, Fort Worth. We're going to be headlining that show. That's with Record Setter and a great band called Pale Fade. Really excited to be headlining. That's going to be at Tulips in Fort Worth. And then uh, December 16th, we are wrapping it up in Austin, Texas at uh, Stubbs. So 
come out, come hang out. Also, we just did a reissue, re-release of his Survive By. It's remixed, remastered, sounds great. Officially comes out in January, but you can pre-order that now. All right, without further ado, here's my conversation with none other than Adam Lazara of Taking Back Sunday. What's up, Adam? It's nice to uh, internet meet you. Yeah, for the first time. <laughs> great to great to internet meet you too. Like I was, I was, uh, I've been looking forward to this. So thank you for taking the time. Yeah, of course. Uh, it's interesting that I feel like we've never crossed paths, which is very, very uh, wild. Yeah, I don't it know is. how that's happened. Yeah, I don't either. There, there, there's. It's um, it's like funny how that stuff works. You know, like I, I feel that over the years, there's a lot of um, uh, like a lot of bands that we've um, we end up running into all the time, and then totally. Yours falls in the other category. Uh, we just never run into ever. Yeah, it's it's <laughs> uh, it's it's been very very odd how that is. Um, there's a few bands from from like you know the world that you guys because you guys have obviously been around uh, a few years longer than us. But like yeah, that, that it's interesting that just for some odd reason not no festivals. Yeah, nothing. it's it's so it's so weird. So, yeah, it's it a conspiracy. It might be a conspiracy. Somebody might actually be making that happen purposefully. You know, like these two bands shall never meet. We might have to do some do some digging. <laughs> so, with doing research uh, for this episode, um, a very interesting thing stood out to me that I don't know if you've ever spoken on. That I just I just need to know right off the bat. So, is your middle name li- literally Burbank? Yes, it that's, was okay. So, it's so my... that's where I'm from. Oh, I'm you're Burbank, California. Sick. So. So tell me about how, where does that name come from? How is that? Why is that your middle name? <laughs> um, the, the, uh, my, that's my grandmother's maiden name. And, oh, um, okay. and so she only had a, uh, sister and there was no one, just kind of no one left in the family to carry the name. And so I got it. And then I'd like actually spent like, cause just kids, you know, can be like, I don't know, real mean. And then, cause I remember being younger and then like someone finding out that that was my middle name and then just using that to like make fun of me. So I remember for a long time, like not telling people about it. And then, um, there was one time I came home and it was like, I had like a report card or something. And like someone on the bus had like seen, um, seen my name on there. So then they're using that as like, uh, like a weapon so I like crossed it out and I brought it home and my dad was like why did you cross this out and then he and then I told him and then uh he just kind of had this talk with me about like where the name came from and like why and then so ever ever since then um I've I've worn it very proudly yeah how could you even weaponize that name just because it's not a normal first name like that (laughs) yeah I like I guess that and like, that's odd. Yeah, Those are that bored. I guess yeah, Kids can find anything. <laughs> well, I, I mean, you know, growing up, like I like stuttered growing up, like chubby kid and all that. So it was just like, I just think it was another. I mean, you know, just totally. another thing that they could, like they, they were pumped to have. They were looking for any kind of new material. Sure, sure. Uh, similarly, my older brother—not to put him on blast—but his, we, have, he and I both have two middle names, and the second one of his 
is a similar situation where it was a family name passed down that they just wanted to keep around. And that middle name is Butterfield. And that's a tough name. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so, they would. Oh, my God. Kids would have had uh, a field day a field with that. Day. So I could only imagine what he must have also yeah. experienced. <laughs> 1000%. So, yo, are you from you're from Alabama originally? Yeah. Sheffield, Alabama. Yes, I was. I was. I was born in Sheffield, Alabama, um, at the Helen Keller Memorial Hospital. And then um, I lived there until I was, uh, like, my family moved to North Carolina when I was seven. Okay. And and then I lived, I mean, you know, just kind of um, around these two different areas in North Carolina until, like, I was uh, 18 and then moved to New York to join the band. Sure, sure, sure. Uh, do you have many memories of of Alabama as a little kid? Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, I still spend a lot of time there. There, there. There's my family. Um, though the bulk of my family now is in Deetsville, which is like uh, Prattville, which is Millbrook, which is like an hour outside of Montgomery, about like maybe like forty minutes. It's a a lot. Of, like you know that movie Big Fish. Um, yeah. Yeah. So like that's where they filmed a lot of that and there's still like the car in the in the tree um and that uh you know that's not far from where they live now but then i still i still have an uncle that's in florence which is right next to sheffield um and uh yeah so another uh venn diagram situation is uh tim burton from burbank california and uh and basically designed uh the the neighborhood from edward scissorhands to be what he thought burbank looked like really so there's a little yeah so there's another little funny tim burton is the venn diagram of this conversation so far yeah that's a good foundation i think not too bad i just rewatched beetlejuice for the first time since since i was probably a kid and uh i think i liked it more now than i did even as a kid which was interesting oh man Uh, i've actually been meaning to watch that um or to or to because uh my son hasn't seen it and then oh and time yeah i think he's like perfect age you know perfect age to get into that sure sure so we've been trying to make a time uh to sit down and do it so i'm like i'm excited to do that with the halloween season that also feels like a good like like an edgier fun family halloween-ish movie so that feels like the right yeah Yeah, I remember the first time I saw it just being fucking terrified. But um Yeah. But he's he has a uh he has a better stomach for anything like that than I do. So so I think he's going to love it. On the rewatch, it hit me that I feel like that may have been the first movie that I experienced the F-word in as a kid cuz uh Oh wow. Cause, because Beetle just does like the nice fucking model and like grabs his crotch. Yeah. Which I remember as a kid being like the, oh, like, yeah. Like they, they snuck that in. Like, what a transgressive move to like sneak, sneak into this like quote unquote family ish style, you know, weird movie. So, yeah. um, maybe that'll be exciting for him as well. Uh, yo, so the first question I usually ask musicians is when you were growing up, what was the first thing that you remember connecting with musically that felt like it was yours? Maybe not something that you like, you know, your parents were listening to or something, but something that you found to kind of give you a sense of identity. Um, when I was, so I must've been like five or six and 
um, we lived in, uh, we were living in Florence, Alabama, and we lived at what everyone referred to as the launch site. So it was like on the, um, like the water was right there. And then because my grandfather had this uh, boat company. And that's where they would launch the boats for the first time and, and like, be like, yeah, I hope it floats, you know. And then, um, so, like, we lived upstairs, and then my my Aunt Bibi lived downstairs, and that's my dad's younger sister. And there was, um, so we spent a lot of time together. And there was one time I remember uh, <laughs> we were... Um, I was riding in the car with her, and I'm in the passenger seat. And this is, like, a great, like, 80s thing, right? Because she had, like, a gremlin or some shit, and then I'm, I'm just in the front seat, no car seat. I like, probably wasn't wearing a seatbelt. <laughs> Anyways, so so they, um, so we, like, pull in, and then I just see my mom, because the stairs were on the outside of the of the building, and uh, or the house. And so I see my mom, like, tearing down the stairs, just screaming. She's livid. And, um, because like we had the windows down and she's Beebs, BB is blasting, um, uh, dire straits <laughs> and, uh, the money for nothing. It's the one with sting. Oh, um, and, uh, and I, over the years, like I, I've thought about that a lot, but I really believe that that was my introduction to rock and roll was this like driving around listening to dire straits as loud as it'll go in this in my aunt's old old little two-door car and then uh yeah and then just seeing my mom tearing down the stairs <laughs> like you're gonna ruin his hearing blah, blah 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 and then all these years later i mean you know like i i still have that same bug that i caught then oh wow so did you start asking about or like were you did you start like tuning into local radio or something like that like looking for more rock music kind of a thing or because that would have been the start of mtv and obviously that has the i want my mtv line which yeah. i feel like was it was a big appealing thing for a lot of young kids because they could relate to that sentiment yeah because they too wanted their mtv one thousand percent they're uh you know like this was i don't i don't remember really going to like at that point to like really seek it out it like wasn't until later because i remember like the first house we lived in in north carolina like i remember that bedroom and i had like a you know just like a boom box and then like with the cassette player in it and then i remember taping songs off the radio um and then listening back and then like writing down all the words, you know, and, and, and so I could memorize Oh, writing them. down, writing down the words. I was going to say, I didn't know if you were writing down who the artist was, but that's interesting. You're writing out the lyrics. Yeah. I like the biggest one I remember doing that with is, um, Mary Jane's last dance by Tom Petty and the heartbreakers. Yeah. And, and then, so I, yeah, like I, taped it off the radio and like you always miss like the first little bit um but but there's like a fairly like a good a good enough amount of intro in that song to where i caught right. all of the and then yeah like just going through and like um hitting play and then hitting stop and then writing it down rewinding play 
listening, writing it down. And then, um, so, so I mean, and like that, when I think about it, um, I was doing it with songs before then also, but I like really like, it was like a lot of R and B for me. Like I like okay. really loved, like I re- or like just coming from just like this love of like Michael Jackson when I was younger, like that was, like I remember I got that um, dangerous on cassette. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Whew, man. Yeah. Was, um, and then you know, and then Nirvana came out and like just right. No, it's it changed like, everything. You and I, you and I again are are pretty similar in that. I also like Michael Jackson was like a big thing for me. And then we were both young and in like perfectly susceptible to like that new Jack Swing sort of mm-hmm. sound yeah, that yeah. was super huge Motown like that yeah totally dude. yeah all of the like Belle Biv DeVoe and, mm-hmm. and Boys to Men and and all of that it was just it was just such ear candy that uh, oh yeah it, unreal unreal um I'm, I want to kind of ask about the writing the lyrics thing out first just because I'm curious if you find yourself to be a person when you listen to a song that you're picking up the lyrics first is that what you're listening for often is that like what will draw you into an artist is it lyrics or do you think it's more melody or the rest of the song i like think for i think for a long time that it was the um that it was the lyrics that i was looking for first but um but now it's like i don't I don't think it's like one specific thing that like I find myself listening uh gravitating towards first. Yeah. Um like I like think if it's something if something is on and I'm not really feeling like the song itself then or like the sounds that they're using then I'll just only focus on the lyrics, you know. Right. And, 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 but um you know on the flip side of that, there's plenty of music, especially recently that I've been listening to that like I'll actively not try to not try to focus on not making out the words that they're saying. Mm-hmm. Um, and then cause I, cause I feel like, especially with a lot of current pop music, there's this, these arrangements and these sounds and the, that are in like out of this world. But then if you listen to what they're saying, it's like, I can't see past, if I think it's bullshit, like, it's like I can't keep listening to it. So, right. Yeah, 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 yeah. I've like, I think, and then even through just listening to things like critically, you know, like I like feel that there's like a lot of times I'm able to like tune out just kind of the words that they're saying and listen more to the sounds like the vowel sounds and just which make up the melody and things like that. So that's totally but um but growing up there was definitely a period of time to where if it and this was more in like i think like my teenage years um into like early 20s this thing of like well if they're not saying something deep and profound i hate it kind of thing <laughs> right which was so dumb but right yeah, I mean, I, I could still be a little bit of an asshole and still sort of feel that way a little bit. Like, I, I, you know, if it comes to even if it's something like hardcore, like you can 
tune your brain out and be like, I'm not expecting these people to say, you know, stuff that's going to change my world view right now. You know, like every, yeah. band isn't, every band isn't supposed to do that. There's always going to be bands that can do that. But um, but uh, yeah, I think if it's more like singer songwritery or something like that, like I, I still kind of crave lyrics that I'm going to feel something for. Um, oh, yeah. And it's, always, it's always exciting when that can still happen, you know? Oh yeah, man. I, 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 I agree. Like those moments to where, um, like I hear something and like it happens more in those singer songwritery moments, you know, like, um, that like, they're just, it makes me, I just get so pumped. Cause I'm like, ah, somebody's doing it. And then they're so good at it, you know, like that kind of thing. Right. But it's like funny with the algorithms now, and like how how um you know like how much is like driven by these algorithms cuz there's like uh like have you listened to that Zach Bryan record I've seen a bunch of people posting about it but I'll be honest I haven't checked it out Oh my god it is so It's really good It's so good It's it, it it's it's so good on a lot of levels I Okay feel that like there is some there's definitely some pandering in there, but it's a I country fe- art. It's a country artist, right? Am I wrong in that? Uh, he talks Am like I-, I do. So, 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 <laughs> but like he, no, it's not. Okay. See, that's me just assuming. I think the name Zach Bryan sounds to me yeah. like a pop country singer. So well, I like might, the like yeah. Zach Brown band, like same kind of. Right. Yeah. That like, might be why. Yeah. Well, cause that's what I thought too. So when. And it was my buddy Mike actually that that was like, "Hey man, you have to listen to this." And I'm like, All "Okay." Right. And then, uh, but it's more um, there's I like feel like it's 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 closer to like um, kind of like a it's closer to Lucero than it is to oh anything mainstream country right now though in like the country world because there's some country music that like that's my shit and and, but there's um i like feel like there's kind of this uh which i would imagine would be much like kind of like the outlaw movement that happened like back like in the 70s you know yeah all that yeah right yeah and and, like i feel that there's this kind of subsect of country music that doesn't get or that it that still like is thriving right now, like Sturgill Simpson, Jason is, but like stuff like that, like that's what it that's the world to where I think it fits better in that world than it does with anything else, like squeaky polished out of Nashville. Because the, the thing is, like it's re- it's like elevated country. That's what I like to think of that as, where it's like yeah. it's country. It's got all the it's doing all the hooks. It's got all the big parts, but it's saying something and it's thoughtful. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There, there's uh, yes. And it, like, I do think there is some, like, uh, um, you know, some, like, stuff that's, like, lowest common denominator stuff. But, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's, like, it's, it's, it's done in a way to where it's not pandering, if that makes sense. I feel it. To yeah. where I feel like with, like, mainstream country or things like that, it's like, okay, here we go, fucking Budweiser, Dirt road, pickup truck. All right, <laughs> yeah, I get, yeah, I, I get it, dude. So is it? So like that's the, but it's like and like sonically too. Huge thing, huge, huge, huge thing is that it's not. 
um, it like you can hear like you hear the the room you like hear the space that they're in and a lot of it I mean I don't know if it was all recorded live or like some of it definitely was but there's even the parts that you can tell are overdubs or something they went back to revisit still sound it just sounds more like it like sounds more like some seven inch that I would have gotten years ago like yeah than it does like anything like modern recording and I love that because there's because I feel that there's a way to like or like I feel it just enhances the songs because the because a lot of the feeling is is built in you know like yeah like like vibe no i i i absolutely understand i that's a great shot i'm i'm uh i'll definitely check that out today i'm looking forward to it um what was the uh what was the first album that you remember buying with your own money like maybe you had some allowance or you asked for it or something like uh i'm assuming it was probably a cassette yeah uh do you remember what it was? Yes. <laughs> it was the Robin Hood Prince of Thieves starring Kevin Costner's soundtrack. And here's why. Brian because, Adams, baby. Yeah, that song. Oh, my God. And, and then so I just couldn't get enough of it then. I still love it now. Um, and it's just I, a jam. Here's the thing about it, though. The soundtrack is the score. And then at the end of the score is the one Brian Adams song. Is that true? Yes. And I had it on cassette, so you had to rewind. Now, I found out not too long ago that that song was also on a Brian Adams record released around the same time, like maybe like a little bit after, maybe before. I don't don't know, but I didn't know that. So they got you. Is that on like waking oh, up? They, oh, they got me. Waking so up good. the neighbors. Is that on that record? Waking up the neighbors. Oh, maybe I don't know. I'm gonna look that up. Well, right yeah, because it's so. Uh, my br- my brother was a was a Brian. A- it's so funny how like when you're young, all of these you can sort of like all of these things at the exact same time. You know, it. I think it is on uh, waking up the neighbors. Yeah, it is. Yeah, so I could have gotten w- waking up the neighbors. And had this great education, not even realizing it, on like pop music just in general. And By like, the way, I or fucking like rock hate my, and roll. I hate my brain because I couldn't tell you how. I, if you put long division in front of me right now, I wouldn't be able to do it. I didn't go to college, but I could. I could recall waking up the neighbors from fucking Brian Adams. That's, yeah, that's. <laughs> nah, man, you don't need to hate your brain. The people needs or the world needs people like us that can do that. That's fair. So, That's like, fair. just like it needs people that are really good at long division. Sure. So, what was uh, what was your first concert? My first, well, like the, so like the first show I went to was, um, uh, it was at this place in Greensboro, North Carolina, called Somewhere Else Tavern, and Code Seven played, and this was when Code Seven at the time had two singers. Hardcore and, band. Yeah. And they so good. And they sounded a bit different than um or like than like their or like the record they put out on Equal Vision and all that. It yeah. was like 
it was like a different thing. And, and uh, so that was one of the first like um, shows that I'd been to. But at that time, you know, like it was just like a local uh, thing. So then, but like as far as like big or like bigger shows, I saw uh, Farside and Corn. <laughs> My uh, what Farside like the hip hop group. Like yeah, P H A R. Yeah, P H A R. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah not Revelation Records, Farside. And, right. And, and um, my I went. My buddy Josh, his brother-in-law, because he had an older sister, and they were hitched. And then so he, so his brother-in-law, took Josh and I to that show, which was at it was in Winston Salem, North Carolina. Uh, I think I think it was called like the Millennium Center or something like that, and. And then, like, the first huge show I saw was I went with um, a friend's family, and we saw Jimmy Buffett at, like, the, uh, at, like, the shed, you know, like, the, like, the outdoor amphitheater, big outdoor amphitheater, and, like, he had, like, and that was the first time, like, I'd seen, like, production or anything like that, I just remember being like oh my god because at the at the time if it wasn't um i mean you know like if it if it didn't fall within the lines of of uh uh like whatever punk rock was or whatever i thought punk rock was at that time then i hated it which in hindsight was just uh terrible it's young brain it's young brain i get it yeah yeah we all we all we all experience that yeah there there's there's it's like i i i think about that young brain often because then because when i come across things with my bit older brain now i try to keep that in mind like hey man remember how you didn't listen to led zeppelin so you were like 24 all right so maybe just cool chill out yeah yeah so um but yeah so it was uh Jimmy Buffett. <laughs> That's was amazing. The, Did, was uh, the first like giant one. Was that something your parents took you to? No, that was it. Was my high school girlfriend's parents. Okay, and then so with the corn and the Far Side show, was that were you it, were you like a corn fan? Like, were you? Did you have like a new metal phase? Yeah, like I think. Well, like with where I grew up, you know, like there was. Um, it was a lot of like whatever was going on on the radio at the time, you know, like we're like, it wasn't like, a um, like I, it was- and, and I'm throwing that out there. Cause look, I similar, I mean, I don't know if you, if this relates to you, it's come up on the show and in talking to people within our age group is, you know, after Kurt Cobain died, I did, I was so devastated and, and I didn't know what, I was going to ever like again. Like I, I took it so hard. Yeah. And then that's, and then that same year, the first corn album came out and I found that. And then I just like got super into that. Like I just like shifted from like grunge to like, now I like really heavy stuff. Yeah. And then, and then they became one of my favorite bands for a number of years. There, there, there's, yeah. I mean, that was like a real similar thing that happened with me. Cause I remember like at that time, like, Corn, like that first Deftones record. Um, oh, yeah. Adrenaline. Adrenaline. Yeah. And then, uh, like, those were, or like, yeah, that was huge. And then, but it was, I'm like trying to think back to around that time, like, what, like, because that was kind of like, a, like, right before I discovered 
or was introduced to just like um, punk and hardcore. Yeah. Like, or like I knew, like I knew of like no, like no effects, you know, but I didn't like, like have their CD or anything yet. And, and then, but my buddy tripped it. And then, um, so like fat records, like all that stuff was kind of like what came next. I actually remember, um, there was a buddy of mine and he was a year or two ahead of me in school and he let me borrow two records or two CDs. One was Earth Crisis, Destroy the Machines, and the other one was Lifetime, Hello Bastards. And it was the Lifetime record that really, um, Hello Bastards, that just, it flipped my world upside down. And then, uh, like, I still to this day, I've listened to that record more than I've probably listened to any record. And it helps that it's only like a half hour long, whatever, but... um, Totally, yeah. I just had... uh... Dan Eamon on just a couple of weeks ago. Really? It was just, yeah, it was just so awesome to talk to, to him about all of that stuff. And I think that what you're describing makes a lot of sense because um, similarly, you know, it's like you obviously like hyper aggressive stuff like Corn was to you at the time. And then you find hardcore and you get into stuff like Earth, you like, you can find the appeal in Earth Crisis. You obviously are aware of no effects. And then you hear Lifetime and you're like, wait a minute, Earth Crisis and Lifetime can exist in the same world yeah even play shows together like that seems way more interesting to me than you know big commercial metal or whatever that is you know like i could see how that could be the transition to like oh now i'm interested in this world yeah that was that was what yeah that's exactly that's a great way to way to describe it and i gotta be honest i don't think i've ever looked at it like that so (laughs) there's uh I'm curious where, because you mentioned Code 7, were they a local band at the time? Mm-hmm. I, they're from the Carolinas. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, they're from Winston-Salem. So, so uh, like, where I grew up in High Point, they they call it um, they call it the triad. So it's like High Point, Greensboro, Winston-Salem. And then so it's, they're all, um, if you're, doing anything around town you'll end up going to one of those other towns in the process sure 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 uh so when did you because you played uh you played bass originally and yes. taking back sunday right so like was bass your first instrument did you play any other instruments no the um gu- the guitar was my first instrument and um there was I didn't really start like it's like the kind of thing of like I learned like a few things and a couple chords and then just like that's as seriously as I took it because then from that point on it's like I want to be in a band I want to write songs I know these chords okay let's get to work and then um, right and cart before the horse is how one hundred percent one hundred one hundred. And, and then, so, um, yeah, like it wasn't until years later that I really started taking it seriously. And, and, but the, and then the thing with the bass was that, um, there were like the bands that I was in in high school, um, there weren't a lot of bass players. So I was like, I'm just going to figure it out. And then, cause then, and then I won't ever have to worry about it again. <laughs> like, so, sure. um, yeah, so it, and so I, you sw- you made the switch to bass out of like you knew that you would become someone that uh that that is sought out. You're like, well, everyone's going to need a bass player, so I want to be that guy. You know what? I wasn't looking at it like that. I, I but 
I'm going to go and I'm going to say yes. That yeah, sure. was my lineup. No, yeah. like I didn't. And it also seems easier because it's only four, four, four strings. strings. Yeah. And then you hear like James Jameson, you're like, oh god, there's nothing easy about this. But <laughs> so the, then um, there was a band called Blank Face, and they're from Chapel Hill and North Carolina. And they, uh, their bass player Al, there's this one song that they had um, that like started with the bass, but he was, but he kind of played this uh, like he was playing it more like a guitar, like way up, way up the neck, and uh, that sound was like like on a bass guitar I feel like anything from the 7th fret up is just I I can't get enough of it like that frequency range that whole thing so anyways yeah they, uh um all that to say when I first joined Taking Back Sunday I was the bass player yes I want to tell you about persistent vision records they are a brand new label that has hit the ground running they've just reissued two records from screamo legends page 99 the singles collection as well as document number eight which is an all-time personal favorite of mine but they're not just doing reissues they've also just released a split between habak and lagrimas who are two bands that i've absolutely got my eye on that are so good you can order these great releases directly through persistentvisionrecords.com or through deathwishinc.com. Give them a follow on Instagram at Persistent Vision Records so you don't miss out on what's coming next. So let's that let's let's talk about your your first high school band. What was your, what was the very first band you ever did? What was that called? First band I was ever in was a band called Nine Lives Left, and we were it's a hard name. Yeah. <laughs> but so, it's just like a cat. It's just a cat. Yeah. Cat. It yeah. just sounds hard. <laughs> well, it's a cat that's managed to not die once. Right. Uh, so, so, um, but there was, uh, yeah. So like I was maybe 14 and there was this skate shop. Um, and I would skip school and just hang out there. Like I was like, um, until eventually they hired me one day because I just was always there. Yeah, and then, might as well might as well ask you to start putting stuff away, and then they just give you a cheap paycheck. Yeah, r- right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Start putting completes together and all. So, um, and then so one of the guys from the shop he um, he played the guitar, and um, and he had a buddy that played bass, and then I had a buddy that played drums. Brian, who was like a year or two younger than I was. And then, um, yeah, so we all got together and we and we started a band called Nine Lives Left. And then my second band in high school was called Dumbfounded, but with no B. Mm. Oh. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> so what was the first show you ever played? The first show I ever played was with Nine Lives Left, and it was actually at uh, my buddy Brian's house that, guitar player's house and then because we because we had one coming up like there was like a local thing happening that had like skaters and like live music and vendors and all that thing and we were going to play that but so um and thankfully brian was wise enough to be like we need to do this in front of people 
before that. So that isn't our first time doing this in front of people. And then, so it was at his house, you know, and like his family was there and like my dad was there and, and like a few of our friends, you know, and then, so it was to, uh, uh, to, to get us ready for the, for the opening up the big show. So were you guys playing originals? Were you playing covers? What did the band sound like? Um, or what were you hoping it sounded like? (laughs) I I think we were, I don't even know. And then like, cause going back, like the, like, I feel like the influences we were drawing from at that time were like Rage Against the Machine. Um, and, and like Brian loved Van Halen. And then, uh, like I love the Deftones. Okay. And, um, so I'm imagining a little bit of some groove in there. It was it was probably a little groovy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Some, but also fat. Like I think we covered, we definitely covered "Bulls on Parade," and <gasps> we and we covered "Credence." But did it you was, just say "Credence"? Yes, and then but <laughs> what but the fuck? wait 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 wait. So so <laughs> how jarring is is covering "Rage Against the Machine" into "Credence"? Yeah, <laughs> come with it now. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. But into fortunate <laughs> But but no no no. So so um I should elaborate. So okay. we covered so it was a credence <laughs> song. Okay. But but we were doing a cover of the Lagwagon cover. Oh my god. Of Credence. Um and I I think it was Bad Moon Rising. But fast, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then, um, so we were covering a cover. Sure. Yeah. A lot of anti-war anthems, though. That's your, that's the 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 uh, Venn diagram of your band, just uh, between Rage Against the Machine and Yeah, Cadence. yeah, right? There you go. Yeah. Fuck the man. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> uh, how did it go? Do you remember how it felt to play in front of people for the very first time? Were you nervous? Were you excited? Do you remember what it felt like? terrified absolutely terrified um i but there was something there's something like i think that is like that feeling like that kind of nervous that deep kind of nervous that's like you can feel it in every part of your body you know like that kind of thing is um something that i think that I really came to embrace, you know, like I like really look forward to that. Now, yeah. Do you still, do you, do you still find yourself ever being nervous before you're performing? Every time. Is that true? Yeah, man. Cause I mean, you know, anything could happen yeah. and it, and it's like, it, yeah, I feel that if that goes away entirely, it's probably time to do something else. Sure. So, um, I get it, that, but it hasn't yet. So I'm grateful for that. Cause I don't know how to do anything else. Like, well, <laughs> I also feel that no, no, I, I, I know what you mean. Like, um, you know, I've, I've said to myself and I'd like to hope that, you know, I haven't, um, gone back on what I've said, but like, you know, I've often said like this, as soon as it starts to feel more like a job than fun, then I don't want to do it anymore. Like yeah. if, if, if going on stage feels like you're clocking in, that's a bad feeling. You don't want to do that. 
Oh, yeah. Well, because then you're not only are you doing a disservice to yourself, but then you're doing a disservice to whoever came to see you at that point. Absolutely. And I'm sure both of us have toured with bands where you kind of feel that energy from them where you're like, oh, they're not they don't love this anymore. Yeah. You know, like this is it's like heartbreaking to see. Yeah, there's definitely me. Like I've been like there's been times to where. Like we've. Gone on stage feeling like that but then thankfully the other thing kicks in and it, or like that like jitter thing because then it's like um you know like i'm like sure you've experienced this like you're touring you're tired yeah maybe you were just in a big fight with somebody and then showtime and then so it's like hard to like i like feel like it's those nerves you know that i rely on or like try to lean into there's, yeah, there's, often, there's often a lot of mental gymnastics and like inner dialogue that can be happening when you're performing and things like that. But um, I'm sure you can relate to this where even if you whatever bullshit is going on in your head or within your band or whatever it is at that moment, getting on stage and then actually performing, it could be something as simple as like seeing someone in the audience's reaction to one of your songs or something mm-hmm. like that that can just kind of snap you out of snap you out of it and just be like who fucking cares? Like, this is yeah. what, you know, like, look, look what we're getting to do right now. And like, this is actually way better than whatever's going on in my head right now. Yeah, you know? dude, that's where like the magic is, you know? Cause then like, it like really puts like this great or this grand perspective that I know I don't always have. I would like to have it more. That would be fucking sick, but it's just <laughs> <laughs> maybe one day. And, and yeah, cause we're always growing, you know, but, but like that, like that thing, like being able to, um, I mean, you know, like get lost and then, yeah. cause that's to me, that's what it is, you know, it, and, it, and to, um, and I think that's like literal tangible magic. I, I completely agree. What was, uh, what was the first time you ever recorded? Was it with one of those bands, one of those bands or was it not until you were in taking back Sunday? Um, so we did record, like, Nine Lives Left did a thing. There was a guy at my school, he had, like, a, he brought over to Brian's house, like, his dad's, his dad had, like, a, like, an eight-track. Yeah. Um, and, and, uh, like, Porta Studio, you know, and, um, and he recorded on to, and then we recorded on that, but, um, no, like, my, like, first, like, studio experience was with taking back sunday we um it was not too long after i had joined um and when i was still playing bass and uh and it was with mike sapone and then it was in his basement which is still where his studio is but he's like expanded and it's changed a lot over the years and then, but it was, yeah, there in kind of the first iteration of his basement studio. And I just, and that was for the, that EP that you do, you just did like backups and bass on, is that correct? Yes. Okay. And then, uh, yeah, the backups I did was like my best, I think, Chris Connolly impersonation that I could do at that time. <laughs> <laughs> and so, then, yeah, I, well, I want to ask you really quick when it comes to singing, like, were you singing as a young kid and was it not until you know, the idea of you becoming the singer, did you think about yourself as a singer? Like, did you ever sing in any local bands? Like, what, what, what is your relationship to when you realized you could sing? 
Well, I mean, I'm still working on that now. And, and, but there, in Nine Lives Left, in like the, my, the, the very first band that I was in, I just sang. But it was more like this, like... Uh, oh, I assumed you were playing ba- just bass in that band or something. Okay. No. Uh-uh. Okay. And, and, and then our buddy Dusty was playing bass. And then... Um, but it was like, you know... Um, I don't... I doubt anything was like on key or anything like that. Cause it wasn't until years after that, that like my ears started to, to develop to where I could like hear the note and be like, Oh yeah. Okay. That's a D. And then, um, cause even like on like the first, well, like the taking back Sunday records, you know, especially the first two, I'm just fucking yelling and like hoping Oh, this is right. And then, like, that was my version of singing, you know. And then it was kind of, like, after... So, like, we had started to do, like, vocal lesson things during, like, after that, um, after the first record had come out. And then, like, that's when I really, like, started um, understanding, like, what was happening and the science behind it and then how I could start to manipulate it. Um, were you sus- were you quickly susceptible to that, or was it hard for you to break out of old habits when it comes to like being actually taught quote unquote correctly? You know what I'm saying? Like, because yeah. there's a lot of there's a lot of I can understand. Like, I've I myself have gone to a vocal coach, and I like the best <laughs> the thing that I basically took away from it was like, oh, you're able to hit notes, but um, your brain uh gets nervous and it makes you off key yeah so it's like the problem isn't your voice the problem is your brain and i was like oh that's not gonna make me feel any better about yeah this. Like, <laughs> I stupid like, I brain told you that. yeah <laughs> there there no i had that same thing i think i still do sometimes like there's there um i and like i don't know man like there there there's it's uh no it definitely didn't like just like I went in and everything clicked, you know, like totally. That. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's been a lot of like trial and error and then um like spending yeah, just, a, just spending a lot of time on it. Like time's the only thing. Yeah. <laughs> like No, I understand. I understand. Um to jump ahead, I guess a little bit when it so it's like, you know, now you're in Taking Back Sunday. What was the first tour you ever did? Was that was your first tour with Taking Back Sunday? Yes first tour well like when when i was when i was younger we would go and like we follow like um we we followed like an at the drive-in tour for like a little bit and then um like playing on it or just going to the shows just going to the shows oh cool yeah and then so like i would consider that to be kind of like my first tour. <laughs> like even though we weren't <laughs> playing that was kind of like going to a city being there for a day like for like that was the first like yeah, yeah, yeah. dipping your toes in the water you know um but the the first tour we did that was longer than like two days you know like like weekend stuff uh was with a band called north star um and it was we went from like the northeast uh down to southeast to new orleans and then back up and okay that, and that was 
it was like funny because we so like uh, Tyler from North Star booked half of it and I booked the other half of it and we were like it's like like MySpace days were you booking it on MySpace what do you remember how you found the venues was it like through friends yeah friends like like Neil Rubenstein um he was in a band well like he was in a band called um this year's model and before that he was in a band called Sons of Abraham and oh yeah I know those fans yeah so like through that that's how, or like he had met the North Star guys because they were from Al- Northern Alabama, and um, ironically enough, and oh, interesting. So, uh, and then like any contact we had in like another city was just kind of like, like a lot of them we got from Neil, and then like from other tours he had done, and then so you just kind of like in your notebook, you know, like first three pages were just like okay, here's the numbers for this city, this state, this city, this kind of thing. Um, or like, uh, remember that, uh, I never used it, but it was similar to that zine, that like book, book your, your own, own fucking, fucking life. life. Yeah. Yeah. So um, similar thing. And then, so that's how, uh, how did, that. like, how did the, how did the tour go? Like, did the shows all happen? Did shows fall through? What do you remember from it? The shows did not all happen. But we <laughs> still had so much fun. Like there was, uh, we were there was one show in Charleston I remember specifically, and um, we got there, and we got to like the, it was at this bar in Charleston, and um, you know we got there probably like around like ten or eleven in the afternoon, and. Um, and we were like, hey, we're here for the show tonight. And and the bartender's like, what show? And it's so, yeah. yeah. So, like, they had no idea that there was a show that was going to happen. But so they called one of their buddies who was in a local Charleston band. And then uh, they, and then so, and then we started talking to him. And he's like, well, look, we'll play and you guys can play and we'll just do that. So um, so we went to Kinko's and just made a bunch of flyers and like spent the day like passing out flyers to people. And then there I remember there was um, at one point like either like coming back from Kinko's or like from like passing the flyers out or whatever there there was a, like I came back in to the bar and then like. Um, the majority of the guys, both in Taking Back Sunday and North Star, were like sitting at the bar with like just very professionally dressed people, and it turned out to be the um, Louisiana State Legislature. They just were on like a trip in Charleston, uh-huh. and they were just buying beers for everybody. <laughs> so I just thought that that was a real funny thing, always. But but yeah, that was crazy. And then we had some other shows that had gotten canceled, so we ended up staying like four or five days just that I had a friend that had moved to South Carolina like um and then so we just were like basically just staying at his house for a few days till yeah and and then um yeah that was a real fun what about uh I'm sure I'm sure it was some years later or potentially not but what what was your first European tour first time leaving the states so that was Many years later. So that was yeah. like, I don't know if it's. Like if, how quickly after Tell All Your Friends did you guys end up going overseas? Not 
very quickly. Like, I don't know if the first time we went there was either right before where you want to be or right after. And, mm. or like, I'd have to go back and look, but, um, I remember, yeah, the first was like a UK tour. And then I don't think we went into Europe just yet um, on that tour. Like, I think we had just done the UK. And sure. it was... Um, had you ever had had you ever had the opportunity to travel like that before? Or was that your first time getting to, to ever do that? First time? Yeah, like, I didn't yeah. grow up, like, my family, like, we never went on vacations or, like, really Same. went, like, like, yeah. We would go to, we would go to Alabama like summers and every other Christmas, and that was kind of the trip that we would take, you know. And then so, uh, yeah. That so like, was... this is like the true definition of like you know it, it. We we say it a lot here on the show, and I'm sure you've had these conversations where it's like you know starting a band is like the best life hack because you get the opportunity to, as a group, get to like experience traveling to these places you never thought you'd get to ever see. Oh yeah. Um, so were you? Dude. Do you remember being just like kind of blown away by the whole experience? Was it scary at all? Like you know, traveling that far away from home? Like because I, I remember my first time going overseas. Like I was, you know, I was well into my twenties, but I was still pretty nervous. You know, like oh, oh I yeah. Hope I, I hope I find food that I like. I hope I you know have a comfortable place. To, I hope I'm able to sleep. You know, like all sorts of stuff like that. There, there's. I remember, um, yeah, being being extremely nervous and like being, um, or just kind of timid about the whole thing because it was so. I mean, because you know, in my mind, or like just like you're saying, like you're like a world away, you know. And then, was there any shows that you were like, oh my god, I can't believe believe people are like singing the words this far away from home? Yeah, like I imagine, like London was probably insane. I still think that. Yeah. <laughs> like sure. there, yeah, there, yeah, yeah. there's times we show and then I'm like for real oh this is sick and it but uh, um yeah I was I that's kind of the coolest thing about it is to be like man like we're I just flew across an ocean and like we're like like found my people this is crazy yeah so that's that's yeah it's still to this day blows me away we uh we just toured Europe for, I think it was, I think we counted. It was like our fucking 18th or 19th time. Wow. Uh, I know it's insane. Um, Man, we haven't especially been over with, there that much. That's especially wild. with like, it's with having like losing a couple of years during COVID too. So it's just like, there was, there's years where we went like fucking three times or something like that. And, um, but uh, I mean, we still, you know, found ourselves playing a couple of cities or countries we never played before. We just played like Estonia for the first time. Oh, wow. And, and, you know, you go into those shows being like, hey, if there's 20 people at the show, like, that's fucking sick. Like, yeah. you know, the fact that anyone came and then you end up, you know, we ended up playing to a couple hundred kids and like to have people react, whether they're just reacting to the music and just like having fun and jumping around. Maybe they don't know your songs that well, but they're just there to be there. Yeah. I like I think if I would have been younger, I might have been like, oh, man, they don't, you know, they're just they don't know the words like or I would have been weird about. But like the fact that anyone is just there at all and having a great time and reacting in any sort of way, like I was just so taken back by it. And I was like, this is so beautiful. Like, it's yeah. just such a beautiful thing. Um, yeah, it's so, yeah, you know, the first time you go over there and you feel that for the first time, it's like, what a feeling. It's it's the coolest thing in the entire world. I 
agree with that 100% because it's, yeah, I mean, like, there's, you know, I, like, feel that, too, if there's any kind of, um, I don't know about you, but, like, there's, there's this tendency, and it's a thing that, like, for years I've been trying to, like, break out of doing, but, like, your brain, or, like, my brain will go to, like, just, like, uh, just kind of like Eeyore, like, oh, well, like, yeah, kinda, like, kind of thing, or, like, the storm cloud comes, comes over, nobody's gonna be here, this is gonna, blah, what do we put, you know, and then the thing is happening, and it, and, and it happens, and it's, just what you just what you described it's just so like this beautiful thing and then uh you know it i i uh i've gotten better at quieting that voice over the years but that's what just as you were telling me this story, yeah that's, yeah like that's what I, popped I, to my head i feel like if you ever played it if you played in an in a quote-unquote unsuccessful local band you're never you, like no matter how big your band gets i don't think you're ever able to shake the you know, uh, the image of like pulling back the curtain before you play and being like, are people here? Are people still here? Yeah, yeah. Like oh, when God, you do headlining please. tours, like, yeah. oh, please, I hope, hope people didn't leave Dude, before the last band, you know? Every, every, I still do that. I still day, do it too. Like all the yeah. time. <laughs> it's hard to shake. It's hard to shake. Um, so, uh, I want to ask you like a couple random questions about, um, certain albums that, you know, like all these years removed that uh, I was just kind of curious about. So, like, I'm, I know you've probably answered a million questions about Tell All Your Friends, for example. Um, but, like, with I'm curious how quickly you guys picked up on the success of that record. Like, was there were you in the middle of a tour and then all of a sudden you're like, whoa, there's like a bigger reaction now? Or was it did it did you feel that immediately upon its release? Because victory records was certainly having a moment at that time. Like Thursday had already been become a pretty successful band. Um, that genre had obviously become, you know, pretty beloved. Um, and then when your record came out, it felt, you know, I was working at a record store at a time at the time. And I remember just like those things flying off the shelves almost immediately. So I was curious from like your, your standpoint, like, was it, in hindsight, like, did you feel the momentum pick up quickly or was it just a, was it a gradual thing for you? It feels like, like it started, it was like a roller coaster. Like it feels like it's starting slow and then, and then, you know, you get to that apex and then, and so I remember we were on tour with, um, the Lawrence Arms and, um, it was, the record had been out for a little bit and were you su- wait were you supporting the lawrence arms or were yeah. they su- oh. wow. yeah i fucking and, love that band but that's an interesting dude, combo so, so well like that's kind of the thing like when we any tour that we did like there was like no one knew who to or like we like we played with anybody yeah yeah, so so because like there wasn't um, like I don't feel like we really fit into like one thing at that time, or just as far as what was going on at at that time. Sure, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then because like we would go, I mean, you know, like straight metal tour, and then we would go to like this pop punk tour, and then we go to like this other. So, um, so I was always happy about that. Oh, sometimes that could be the great, that could be such a fucking secret weapon where you're like, oh, you can, you can put us in front of, you know, a metalcore crowd or you could put us in front of a fucking pop punk crowd and we could still win people over because there's elements to like about us in 
all of those genres. Like, so you're on tour with the Lawrence Arms. Did all of a sudden you start noticing the crowds reacting more and more to you guys while you were on that tour? Yes, and and not everywhere, but um, specifically at um, Chain Reaction. Uh, yeah. It, so so we're like on the West Coast, and it's like one of the first times you know that we had been out there, and then all of a sudden, like we go on to play and it's just like you couldn't fit any more people in there and everyone's just going his body's flying and you and we're just like what is happening right now oh my god like um and because at first we're like oh maybe they think somebody else is playing and (laughs) but like as we're playing it's like oh they are they know every song you know because those are all the songs we had at that time. Yeah, no, for sure. <laughs> so, and then so how quick into that cycle did you guys play on TV? Because because uh, you guys did uh, what, Kimmel on that tour, right? Uh, or on that, off, that, off that record, I mean. Sorry. Yeah, yeah. We had, I don't remember, I don't know the timeline there to tell you. Like, I think that was, no, 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 that was later. Yeah. Um, uh, like after, or the record was, had been out for a while at that point. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. And then, and it was before, like, just a little bit before Where You Want to Be and, like, before we went in for all that. Um, okay. Because we also did, um, Carson Daly had a show. Oh, right. At, like, the late, 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 late show. And um, he... Was that the one where it was, like, it wasn't necessarily, like, him behind a desk, but it was, like, him kind of, like, walking around, hanging with people? Was it that yes. show? Yes. Okay, yeah. And we were... Um, we did, like, an acoustic version of one of the songs. But I remember... So, like, years later... Not, like, crazy... But, yeah. like, two or three years after that, I was on a... I was, I was on a flight, and it was, like, a jet blue flight and i was like scrolling through the channels because at that time that was jet blue's whole thing it's like oh you can scroll watch live tv or whatever yeah yeah and uh and it was on and it's like as i'm going on the thing i'm like oh my god we're on the tv and (laughs) so um which was pretty wild and um but yeah so that was Closer, I think, to where you want to be than okay. Um, tell all your friends. I mean, just I don't get to ask a ton. You know, not I can't ask this question to a ton of guests. But what was that like playing on TV the first time? Maybe not the Carson thing, but the 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 Kimmel thing. Like, what what was going through your head? What was that experience like for you? I mean, when I I rewatched it and just looking at how many people were there and going off and singing along, like. It's a perfect audience you could have had for, for oh, your first yeah. big like live TV performance like that. That's that's it was terrifying, absolutely terrifying. And then because I didn't, because even at that time, like we were talking about earlier, like I didn't really have the confidence in my voice to like. But when you're like, mm, I mean, it's like walking outside without any clothes on, you know, <laughs> like there. Yeah, uh, you. So I just remember being so nervous and, 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 but it's real cool though. Cause that setup over at Jimmy Kimmel, when you're in that back lot, there's it like, um, at like a certain point I could, I remember 
being able to kind of like put the cameras and the hubbub, you know, out of my head because it felt like a show. And um, but I remember wearing a shirt that I made that says Nani is my lady. And because that's what I call my grandmother, Nani. And uh, and um, I remember getting a call from her the next day. And that felt really good. Aww. <laughs> so I bet, you know, like, you know, you talk about the nervousness of like maybe not singing in key or something like that. I've always been from the school of thought of I'd rather someone perform like they mean it than perform quote unquote correctly. Yes. And even watching that footage, it's like, you can tell that you guys are all so excited and you're also giving it your all that like something like that is so secondary to me. And I think that your fan base is probably thinking the exact same thing. You know, uh, like if I yeah, want to hear I something so. that sounds, if you, if you want to hear something that sounds perfect, you listen to the record. I'd rather, I'd rather watch, you know, at, you mentioned at the drive-in earlier. Mm-hmm. That band was way more focused on I'm going to throw my shit around and front flip and jump into the fucking drums and all of that. Oh, sort of yeah. stuff. Like, and there's no way this man is hitting all the right notes while he's doing that because he's focusing on performing. You know what I'm saying? So like, yeah, that that at least for me has always stood as if I want to listen to the record, I'll listen to the record. Give me something more on stage, you know? Yeah, that that. Yeah, I can uh, I can agree with that because you can tell. Like, you can, um, you know, you can, you can tell when someone's, well, it's like what you were saying earlier, you know, you can tell when somebody's heart's not in it, you know? Yes. And, and and then, or like when they're focusing on like something else other than just like more of being like a vessel in some way or something like that, you know? Looking for an extraordinary coffee? Look no further than Heartwork Coffee. With eight years of excellence and proudly roasting in the vibrant city of San Diego, California, visit heartworkcoffeebar.com to explore a wide range of single origin and blended coffees to suit your taste preference. On a personal note, co-founder Rob Moran has played in so many bands that have inspired me personally like Unbroken and Some Girls, for example, and it's been amazing watching Heartwork thrive all these years. The coffee is amazing, and I'm thrilled to support this company. Once again, visit heartworkcoffeebar.com to place an order. That is H-E-A-R-T, work, coffeebar.com. So when you guys went to do the follow-up record, um... I was interested about your choice of working with, uh, is it Lo, uh, Lou, Lou G- Giordano? I, I was focusing on how Giordano, yeah. Giordano, yeah. Because um, he has done so many brilliant records from like Husker Du, Sugar, worked on Mission of Burma, Lemonheads, like, and then Google Sunny Dolls. Day Real Estate. Yeah, like all of that sort of stuff. Like, was that your driving force for it? Or was it like the success mm-hmm. of, um, you know, like he had done like Atari's records that were like pretty big and stuff like that? Like, was it was was it like a culmination of all of those things like oh fuck like listen to all these records this guy's been a part of or i was curious if it was like someone that a label selected for you guys no there's well like fred i believe is who turned me on to lou and then um and it just seemed like cuz he had done like yeah uh the 
Or like when you said the Atari's thing, like I was trying, I was like, oh, did we go there and see did the Atari's working? No. And then, no, because it was the, uh, yeah, because like Husker Du and Goo Goo Dolls, those were our two, those were the two bands yeah. that, that, that were really impressive to us that he had done. Totally. And, and then, um, yeah, but that was a real fun time because we were, you, were, did oh, you pick his brain about that stuff or what, or were you timid at first to like bring that stuff up? Cause sometimes, you know, when we've worked with producers that have done records that we're very moved by, like it, I'm always nervous to start like punishing them about. Yeah. Like, so, so tell me about working with Smashing Pumpkins or whatever, you know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like that stuff definitely took a while to work up to it. But it's like the, you know, once you get to like, like I feel like when you're working on something like that, and as I'm sure you know, like there's like a lot of walls that get broken down, and you get like, or like because you're getting to the nitty gritty with somebody, you know, and 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 because you're trying to get to the heart of like what you're either trying to say or trying to, um, uh, trying to put out into the world, and um, so so it's kind of like once we got to that level of comfortability, you know, to where it'd be like, so tell me more about Bob Mould. Uh, yeah, right, right, right. Uh, when you went in to do that record, was there, like, had you guys put a bunch of pressure on yourselves about the follow-up, or was was it just, like, something that came naturally to you guys? Did you guys have all the songs ready to go? Were you still writing in the studio at that time? Like, and how much influence did the producer have on shaping the songs of that record? Um, so... We had everything there because um, I remember like when we first started pre-production, we did it at um, Lou came down to we had this rehearsal space that we shared with uh, a band called The Sleeping. And so like we would go there and then like r- like just run through everything like, OK, Lou, here's what we got. What do you think about this one? Blah, blah, blah. And then like um, he would go through and like make suggestions here and there you know as a producer does yeah and then um yeah but that's how we with that one like because that's because you know john and sean had left the band and then like fred and matt came in so we were um we had started to write um really early on with fred and matt just to see if it would work was it difficult for you writing lyrics for the for that record going coming up just you know i know you're a big lyric guy Mm. and i was curious for you know having this follow-up record like did you have any extra pressure on yourself when it came to that aspect 100 percent. yeah and then still i mean it happens with every record i'm sure that you've experienced this same thing because it's like there's like another layer to it because it's like oh we made this thing that a bunch of people connected with what if they're not connecting with anything that like is on my mind now or or like these this new set of things that i'm going through or like so that's uh that it's interesting you say that like have you found because i know i certainly have that there's times where you're writing something maybe so hyper specific that you feel like, oh, I don't know if anyone's going to relate to this because it's so hyper specific to my exact circumstance. 
but then you realize after time, you're like, that's what people relate to the most. The more hyper-specific you get, the more people relate to it. Yeah. I've, I, I've definitely th- thought that. Like, I thought for a long time, though, that I needed to, like, anytime anything was too hyper-specific, I would just go back through and um, uh, just try to put, like, a, nice little veil over it you know like just try to make it vague enough because <laughs> because i was worried about that same thing i mean like it wasn't until um or like well i guess it like i like really embraced the hyper specific thing like more recently or yeah. like in the in the past few yeah records. yeah 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 um there there's uh yeah it's like tough though See, because it's not like I don't like it's it's more about. I think it's like more about the sentiment and like the like the the idea or like the feeling that the intention. Yeah. Yes. And then then uh, a lot of times then like whether you're being super vague or like hyper specific you know like it's more of like what's gonna serve the 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 intent Um, right and yeah yeah, like oftentimes it's gonna take like i got into my red car it was very cold the the, it was half broke you know stuff like that yeah 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 um and so with the record that came after that um, you know, not to harp too much on, on a major label conversation, but I am curious because around that time it was the big, you know, wave of so many bands signing to majors and things yeah. like that. I was curious if you guys were in touch with other bands that were signing to majors and sort of, if you guys were having inside baseball conversations of like what to expect, where to, you know, like things to, to take into consideration while, you know, navigating this or was it just kind of you guys on your own sorting it out by yourselves? Just because I like to think of myself in that circumstance where, you know, even to this day when it comes to moving to new labels, like I'm always trying to get the inside baseball about, you oh, know, yeah, of course. how is it on here? Like, what do you recommend we t- we do here? Like, what should we have, you know, what basis should we have covered if we're going to make this decision? Um, so yeah, I was just curious how that all played out for you. We definitely, oh yeah, we were definitely talking to, to everybody we could you know like hey like what do you know about this guy what do you hear about this this guy or or like well you could go there but here's the thing is like the dude that's there now used to be over here and when we were over there like that whole thing right totally and and then because that's a thing i think also that um i didn't realize that it was only with time that i realized is that yeah like this person might have a job over there and be like this guy and that's how you know him but just give it a little bit of time because he'll be the guy at the other place or she'll be the lady at this place you know like it'll just because i ever uh, are um because i that's just the nature of i think that business um just from what i've seen what were there things that surprised you about that album rollout or like new things that were um, suggested to you guys that you hadn't thought about that um, 
I guess, impressed you, you know, like because people talk about the major label machine, right? Where it's like, yeah. oh, they have they have their, you know, like better publicists, better blah, blah, better being, you know, up to how you feel about them. But um, yeah, like were you what did you feel much difference from the indie rollout versus the major label rollout at that time? 100 percent. Yeah, there there was. Like we didn't have. Our experience with Warner Brothers was great up until like the end and then it just sure. got weird. But that's because, I mean, you know, like I feel like everyone at uh, most any label was just, they were years to where they were just scrambling. They, a lot of them still are. Yeah. I mean, the, the, thing, the thing you knows. hear the most. Yeah. And well, that and like the thing you hear the most also is like a lot of bands in our world, whether it's Thursday, Thrice, Rival Schools, like any of these bands that were on majors is it was difficult because by the time it came to do their their next record on the label, it's like we don't recognize a single person who works here anymore. And we don't understand if we don't know if they understand our band the way the people from the first <laughs> when we first yeah. got here did, you know? Yeah, there there there's. Uh, yeah. Un yeah, that's on. That's how it ended up with us over there, yeah. Because it was like just a lot of stuff getting moved around, and they were downsizing everything, and it was just this whole thing. But uh, going back though, like with that for us was incredible, because because it was like we like we were able to work with Eric Valentine. Like you can't fuck with that guy. He's at like that's top. Yeah. And, was it his work with like Third Eye Blind Records that brought you to him? And Queens of the Stone Age. Okay. So sure. I'm like, oh my God, Queens of the Stone Age, Third Eye Blind, put them together. There you go. Yeah. And, and, and um, yeah. And then the more we got to know him, the more you just realize, like, oh my God, this guy is a wizard. And was there something that he taught you that you still use to this day? Countless things. Countless. Anything at the top that comes to your mind? The 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 he he changed the way that I looked at um uh that I look just that I looked at songs in general like like as far as um because he he never had one specific approach uh that was. Or, like, everything was consistent in the fact that, like, uh, of, like, the kind of, like, the way that he would, um, that he would execute. But I, like, feel like the approach varied from, kind of from song to song to, like, match what was um, being, well, just like what we were just saying, to match intent. And, um, right. I feel like up until then I hadn't even really thought about it that way. And it, sure. and, and so um like basically like what you're going to do and how it's going to serve the song. Yeah. Yeah, like that like I had already like kind of thought about that like of course like with Lou and it, and um and with Sal before that like we had like I had um been aware of those things but it wasn't until like with Eric and then just kind of like the way that um well it's interesting because i feel like when you when you when you're first starting out and you have steam and you know whether you're thinking it or not but like you're kind of hot shit at that time like you 
you feel like, hey, whatever we're doing is fucking working. You know, like this is yeah. like we we have a good idea, but it's funny how once your band has been a band for a long time and then you you're you're way more susceptible to the collaboration, the outside opinion and wanting to learn. And, and it sounds like this guy came in at that time in your life, probably. Right. Yeah. Yeah. He was man. Like my only regret or, <laughs> is that um, with the time that we've had to uh, or like got to spend with him, I wish I would have asked more questions of, on the engineering side. Cause mm. like, there's just, um, yeah, just things that, or like he has a very unique way of, I, of, I think, um, just how he sees all, all of that. And, and so I wish I would have asked more specific questions like that, but <laughs> there, there, there's, uh, or like, yeah. So to go back to what we were saying, like the, um, our, yeah, like that experience with Warner, you know, then was great. Cause it was, cause they were facilitating, like, it's like, oh, now we're able to do this. And now we're able to work with somebody like Eric. And now we have these opportunities, you know, like, um, yeah, that was fantastic. Absolutely. Um, I wanted to skip ahead uh, to Tidal Wave. I remember when that first single for that record came out, I perked up so much where I was just like, whoa, that is an unexpected sonic change. But it was exactly the kind of stuff that I really, really like. And I remember being really impressed by like just the bold move of like, no, we're going to make a record that of the sounds and influences that we're just really into. Mm -hmm. Um, and I, you know, I don't even know if there's much of a question here other than just like, I want to applaud you for, <laughs> for just like taking such a big swing in a different direction. You know, oh, like I, I, I like I'm a big ass replacements guy. I love, mm -hmm, same. you know, all of that sort of stuff um, did, I guess if I was to ask a question about it was um, once you guys sort of came around to going that sonic sound, did those songs come pretty easily and naturally to you guys to just kind of like write what you were feeling? Um, yes and no. Like, there's, I think the biggest thing that came during that process and also from that um was that all of us realizing like we can do whatever we want and like we're the bosses of us <laughs> like yeah because like in like this thing of like um it's always going to sound like us because it's mark playing the drums it's sean playing the bass it's john playing the guitar it's me singing like it's like and we each have our way our ways of doing that and the hope is that as i'm sure you've ex you've experienced is that as the as um time goes on is that each thing like uh it is like um is that hopefully that you're growing and ex and expanding both what you're capable of and what you're chasing uh over the years, you know, and, and, and that's something I'm really proud of with our band, but then also with that record specifically is cause that was kind of when we realized like we can do whatever we want and it's gonna sound like us. And then, so it's just like, we just have to decide like, what do we want to do? And, right. and, and that was, I think a huge thing, especially leading us to one, five, two, about to come out is that 
I that step in tidal wave was entirely necessary to get to where we are right now. Right. Like it was a great transition record. It was a great stepping stone record to kind of harness new skills that led you to where you are now. Yes. In a way, I think it like helped like more, um, like confidence. Yes. Yes. Cause it's like, there's like seeing that, like that thing of like, okay, like, I really love this and we're going to put it out in the world, but you know, nobody could like it. We hope that doesn't happen, but that's a big chance. And it, and that's not what happened. And, 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 and then, so that was kind of like this, uh, or I, I guess like validating what we were already thinking it, and it, and then, but just not knowing if, cause it's a, because to me, I think like there's like it's like real easy to just kind of keep like if it ain't broke, don't fix it, you know, like just keep doing the same thing. And then that helped to helped us to like prove to ourselves that like, hey, like we don't have to keep doing the same thing that we've already like we don't have to keep trying to write the same kind of song over and over again. Like we can chase something different you know and then and the end result is still going to be us and 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 that was um that was a lesson that uh, that we all had to learn i feel like in order to just even just move forward at all yeah and, and i totally hear what you're saying where when it comes now to the new record which i'm, I'm that was a great transition for us to, to, to talk about that for a little bit is like you know the sounds from Tidal Wave, like that leaned more Springsteen-ish or Tom Petty-ish or something yeah. like that, you know, like to hear that now with uh, the singles that you've released so far, um, the first single, the one, right? That's yeah, it's called the yeah. one. Yeah. Like that to me almost has a melding pot of like a Springsteen ver or almost like a U2 sort of energy to it yeah. and i don't know if that's something that that sometimes it's hard it's weird to hear someone else kind of project what they think something sounds like but i don't know if that resonates with you it uh, at all i didn't realize that comparison until after the fact but then because i was like oh man or like it's one of those things to where like i was like going back in the rolodex in my mind like what was I listening to then? Because I bet it was this, this, and this. <laughs> like, yeah, 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 yeah. Like, but it was, um, uh, yeah, that wasn't a conscious thing, but I'm so glad that you said that because it makes me feel like, uh, you know, we were doing something right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And the, uh, I really, really like the sold song or sold song. Thank uh, you incredibly hooky um and yeah like i i i'll be honest where this is the like i it was luckily to be sent the record um in preparation for this or whatever but um i gotta say like as someone who's been aware of your band and known your records and all of this stuff throughout all the years it's really exciting to hear a record like this where I think that you are able, you guys have been able to capture the sound of all of the things that people liked about your band from the, from each of those early records 
and then really culminate it with where you guys ha are now and have it be a very seamless transition to where I think, you know, you might've had records where you were trying new things. Um, maybe some were more successful than others, et cetera. But like this record to me sounds like you guys did find that common thread throughout all of it. And focused a lot of attention to make this be the record that maybe you guys have been wanting to write. Does that, am I projecting or does that sound correct to you? Matt, well, first off, thank you for saying that. Wow. Like, like that's, thank you. Uh, um, we, it, uh, I do think first, I think I need to say that one of the things I'm really proud of with our band is that each record is is I think a perfect snapshot of the people that we were in at that time and like in that moment like there's a lot of uh, truth and that that like there's and then so with one five two you know like we've we've I like I feel that we've accomplished that same thing again and, it, and and i think it's interesting when you say like that it's that there's or like or like the common thread or the thing because somebody else has said it to me too like this thing of um like the idea of capturing things that people already know about us and like about us and then bringing it uh to this modern place with with who we've kind of are uh, have become or are becoming. And I think that that goes back to the, just the thing I was kind of saying about that we realized during tidal wave is that there's, um, it's just like, it's still, it's still very much us, but it's just this, it's current. Like it's like current us, you know, like just like as a, like if you were to run into like a, run into like a friend from high school um and they were uh like and they were still like they hadn't changed like at all and then like you would probably be disappointed in your interaction with this person that you ran in, <laughs> right. ran into but yeah like you run into them and they're and you and you're catching up and they're telling you these stories and you can kind of like start to put together and like piece together like man like this is where like like I know where this person came from because that's where I came from and then like and then I'm hearing this I'm like taking in their story and then like it's amazing like just this human that they've grown into because that's the whole fucking thing you know with anything like any kind of art I feel like is that it's like this it's the human experience you know and it and and then um so it's so anyways i like think all this goes uh back to me um wanting to thank you for saying that because <laughs> yeah, no problem i, I was that also makes curious. me feel yeah. like we're on to something like it's like okay we're doing it right <laughs> like well that, i mean the record like, also just the record also just sounds really great. And I was, and I wanted to ask you a little bit about working with, uh, is it Tushar Apti? Is that yep. how you say? Okay. So, uh, I'm fascinated by that aspect because he's, you know, well known as a pop producer. He's done a lot, worked with a lot of huge pop artists, made yeah. a lot of helped create a lot of huge pop hits. 
Um, is he someone that was familiar with your band's energy and sound? Or was he coming in as like outside opinion? I know how to make a pop hit. Let's meld together and see what we got. It's there's. Um, no, he was he had no idea who our band was, which yeah. was so perfect because it's kind of cool. Yeah. Oh, no. Best case scenario. And here's why. Because yeah. there's like if someone is familiar and like knows, then it's then it's this thing of um, of their approach will be like, well, this is what my version of what they've already done would sound like. And like, right. I don't yeah. I don't want any part of that because like I don't um, I already have like physical copies you know of of <laughs> of what we have sounded like and like yeah so uh, you don't um, just want like a young person to come in and try to write taking back sunday songs for what they think taking back sunday sounds like yes what 100 so the fact that he was unaware of our music or like of our band was perfect uh it, um and and then with him like it wasn't this thing of like i know like how to make like great pop music. So I'm going to do that thing. It was more of this, um, see, cause he also comes from this electronic music world and, and things like that. We met him through Steve Aoki and then cause, cause we wrote a song with Steve Aoki and, and which was awesome. And, and then, um, it was kind of like that, that experience and like seeing how those guys, um, just kind of, like their view of um, just like songs arrangements, like the whole thing is is uh, is entirely different than anything that we're accustomed to. Because it's like you know, like it's real easy. I like think to um, just get like kind of in this place of like, well, this is how we've been doing it, so. It, it, and and to not even realize it, like I know personally for myself that there's um, that the experience of working with Tushar's like flipped my whole world upside down because I didn't I didn't realize that like I'd been just kind of approaching it in this one way for so long that well yeah of course I'm gonna have like all these ideas that are just sitting on a hard drive because it's like uh, it fucking sounds like everything else that sucks and then like move on and and, and so like but through working with him, it's like, you're getting to see it through like these fresh lenses, you know? Uh, um, cause what, cause what I would typically think like, Oh, well, yeah, that's a chorus. Like he'd be like, no, nah, that's, that's, uh, that's, we're just gonna, uh, uh that's a verse now, except we're going to take everything away because check this out. And, it, and, and so like, it's like that approach and that perspective that was so helpful for us. And it, and it, and it, yeah, like much like um, in the like working with Eric, you know, like how like his view and his approach really like like pulled the blinders back, you know, same thing with Tush with Tushar. Like I don't like I'll never. I'll I don't think I would approach anything the way I used to knowing what I know now. <laughs> like, right. So, yeah. So you can, you know, you can't uh, teach an old dog new tricks. You know what I'm yeah, saying? Absolutely yeah, absolutely can. 
Yeah. Uh, well, congr- I mean, seriously, congratulations. I'm excited for everybody to hear the record. Um, Me too. It's, it's uh, yeah, it's, it's fucking awesome. This has been really, really lovely talking to you for the first time here. Uh, yeah, let me man. hit you. Let me hit you with the last question, which is when was the first time you felt like you were doing the thing you'd been working so hard towards? Hmm. The first time I felt like I was doing the thing that I was working towards. I don't know. I've been, I'm one of the luckiest people that I know. And I've, I've had that. I've been fortunate enough to have that feeling more times than I can count. And like saying it out loud feels real good. It's like, Ooh, that's, that's real. And, and it's like, uh, so it's hard to, the first time it happened with taking back Sunday was we played, there was this place it was in, no shit. It was in Belmore, Belmore on long Island. And the place was called ground zero. And it was, and it was this bar, but it was like, we would have, that's where, that's where a lot of the shows, um, were. And, um, I remember there was this, it was the first time we had played and there were people like singing along, losing their shit. Um, and we didn't know them (laughs) like, like, right. Like they weren't our friends, you know, like a lot of them later became our friends, but like. We like we were strangers to each other, you know, and uh, I remember um, I don't know if it was John, or like because we were like John had this red Honda Civic um, four door. So, so we were like putting like gear back in there. Like I had like a kick drum, you know, we put put in and then we get in the car and he's in the driver's seat and I'm in the passenger seat and we just kind of look at each other like what just have like we didn't have words and it was just our eyes were wide and it was this moment of like can you even believe that that like what just happened i can't believe that just happened like let and then so we just sat there kind of in that moment you know for a while and 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 i remember that was the first time with taking back sunday to where it it felt like oh wait like uh, i think I think we're onto something. Holy shit. So Yeah, because you, you might be able to convince yourself that like, hey guys, we're pretty good, but you know, like when you play in front of a stranger and they're mouthing the words, singing the words or whatever, there's there's just nothing better than that. It's oh, it feels dude. like you're being tricked. You're like, there's no way. How do you know this? Like you yeah. want to interrogate the you want to interrogate the people. You're like, right. why do you know this? Did What's... my brother fucking call you and put yeah. you up to this shit? Cause it's not funny. I'm calling him right now. There the the uh it's that too, like there's something like even past that there's there's like just it's so it's such a powerful thing, like that exchange because I feel like there's this like that's gotta be like like when you're talk like when you hear people talk about like fellowship or like things like that like that's that's it like there there there's because you're you're like it's not about like uh it's like not about like you or the fact that you're the person who wrote it and it's not a f- about that like 
that like they're the person that's at the show or they're the person that listens to it like it's it like all that goes away and there's this power in that connection that like you it's um i almost feel like a lot of times i can i can grab it and hold it you know um like uh like uh um what's the thing uh, uh or just like yeah, like you're holding a lightning. It's just bolt, tangible, you know? yeah. Yeah, it, and 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 so it's like those. Um. So, like thinking back to that, the first time it happened with Taking Back Sunday, and like how and just how impactful that was is like because not only is there this thing of like oh my god like I'm I'm a part of something that means something to like it's working holy shit this is the only thing I want. And like, I've been chasing about like, not only is there that, but there's this other level to it to be like, Hey man, like you're not alone. And, 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 and to like, that's the good shit. Cause that's where that magic is. Cause it can like give you fucking superpowers, you know, like, like, like there's uh like just kind of val like validation like that. Cause it's not just like, like uh like the person that's singing along is 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 validating me it's like i'm also valid like it's like it's an exchange it, and 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 um and it's it, and it's a mutual one and it's and it's beautiful and magic i love it i love it you're the best man thank you so much for doing this i really appreciate it you're the best too i appreciate you doing it and that is our show thank you so much to adam for coming on and thank you for listening this episode was produced edited and made to sound oh so nice by my boy ryan rainbow shout out to him and reminder there's a bonus episode available right now where adam answered questions that were submitted by subscribers you can access that by going over to patreon.com slash the first ever Patreon. Thank you so much, and I will see you next Wednesday. Take care. Bye-bye.